If your restaurant wants to put the best on the table, look for food with the New York State Certified Seal. It's food that is grown right, right here. Learn more at certified.ny.gov. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 11 of Why Food. I'm your host, Patrick McAndrew, and this week I have a Bostonian in the room with me. Jonathan Mendez is down to visit, the co-founder of Saloniki Greek. Thanks for joining us, Jonathan. Thanks so much for having me. I suppose we might as well mention Eric, you're in the room with us as well. We've got his co-founder as well, Eric. Eric, can you help me pronouncing your surname? Uh, Papa Christos. Papa Christos. Yeah. Father, Father of Christ. Oh, lovely name. <laughs> um, yeah, so the two gentlemen here, founders of Saloniki Greek, how recent is it, guys? When did you get it on the market? Uh, let's see. About well, I mean, it's been a project that's been a couple of years in the making, but we've been open for eight months. Cool, and it's been going really well. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Like the, um, you know, the outpouring of support from Boston and the restaurant community, and just kind of the broader, um, you know, communities around has really been fantastic to see. I'm envious because once we were going to have you on the show, I had a chance to look at the menu. It's something that I wish I had a chance to go and uh, get stuck into. Because the thing is nowadays that there is Mediterranean everywhere, but the, the regions within itself have kind of been, I don't want to say lost, but there isn't that much of a focus per region now. It's just that there's Mediterranean restaurants available. So I suppose you guys going back to that and actually focusing on Greek food and zoning in on it um, is something that people, it's going to appeal to them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's really what we've seen is is um, you know because I guess the Mediterranean diet as a whole appeals to people one because it's really you know it's all about the ingredients it's you know simple clean flavors um, but you know there's also kind of that lifestyle element to it um, you know the healthier kind of eating but what we really wanted to do was we really wanted to kind of you know limit ourselves and not limit in a bad way but just define who we were and what we were trying to do uh and so you won't find things like uh, you know on our menu you won't find falafel or hummus which are more kind of levantine and broader mediterranean dishes um you know we just kind of really stick to the flavor profile and palate and it's really really hard to keep things simple you know because we get you know we get suggestions from guests who we love we have you know uh you know the people that are that are behind us and even internal conversations about broadening the menu and what do we do next and you know how how can we kind of keep keep you know people falling in love um and it, it really is hard to just kind of keep it simple but that's what we wanted to do we wanted just this really fun accessible kind of greek sandwich shop and you seem to be doing it so well because typically well as the layout of the restaurant um I suppose to make it more understandable to everyone else, it's a, the Chipotle style layout, yep. whereas you have the production line right and you, you work your way down. And those kind of restaurants benefit of having a, a small menu. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the more you can kind of limit, you know, your um, your offerings uh, cross cross utilizing ingredients. I mean, there's a there's a whole kind of economic and financial argument behind it. But, you know, also just staying pretty focused. So you're not you know, you, it's not the kind of the restaurant that I would walk into as a kid and they have, you know, everything from an eggplant parm to, 
you know, a cheesesteak to, right. you know, chicken fingers. And, you know, then somewhere over there in the corner is a spanakopita or something, you know, so there's, there is that focus to it. And, it. and it helps, you know, I think people always want that kind of illusion of choice. Uh, but they also want to be suggest, you know, they want suggestions, you know, they want kind of, you know, I hate using the word curated, but a curated experience where they're just given offers, you know, like say here, here's four sandwiches. We've thought about them. You know, we think they're really great. We think you'll love them. Trust us, you know, just order these four, you know, kind of take, take a little bit of the complication out of it. And Jonathan Mendez, that name doesn't have a Greek ring to it. No, only if you put an O-U-S at the end. You know? Whereas Eric Papakristos, that's just ringing from the heavens. That's Greek all day long. <laughs> it's like the Smith of Greece. <laughs> so, Jonathan, how did you get introduced yeah. to Greek food? Uh, actually, I mean, through Eric. Uh, so, Eric and uh, his brother are two you know, incredibly close friends of mine. Um, and, you know, I, I actually had – I was doing – um, a graduate program in dispute resolution and conflict management, and I was in in my in my graduate class was uh, a young man by the name of James Coughlin who happened to work with Eric's brother uh, George, uh, another you know proper Greek name, and uh, you know we just kind of connected, and then you know Eric and I started hanging out, uh, and then Eric actually you know I ended up working for Eric uh, for a number of years and. You know, he and his brother and his family were generous enough to, like, bring me along to their family, you know, pilgrimage back to Greece, you know, to go see the whole family and the village and really become immersed in the culture. And from an outsider kind of going to this and not really understanding Greek food or, the, you know, the real importance of the ingredients in Greek food and just having this kind of Americanized Greek um, where there's not a ton of, you know, uh, focus on the ingredients, it really was, like, life-changing. Like, you never forget the first time you have, like, a proper slice of feta cheese in Greece or you have that proper gyro. Uh, it's, it was, it was eye-opening. And, you know, and I came back and I was like, hey, we got to do something. we got to, you know, come up, come up with, uh, with a concept because this food's so good and, and I know people go crazy for it. And what were those kind of typical representations in America that you thought are just being brutalized out here compared to when you had a chance to eat them in Greece? Uh, you know, so there's, you know, I, I guess all the kind of quick items that you can find, uh, whether in a bakery or a pizza shop, you know, so everyone, you know, every pizza shop will have like a, a gyro or gyro. Uh, and it's typically, you know, this kind of processed, you know, meat strips and they just throw it on a flat top to heat it up. Uh, or, you know, if they, if they do have... Um, if they're robust enough to actually have like the vertical broiler, you know, they're, it's just kind of seasoned meat that's turning and, you know, you just, you can't really control if it's getting dry, you know, what temperature it's just, to me, it's not really appealing. Uh, then there's also kind of, I mean, I, mean, I, I went to public, Boston public schools, uh, you know, for elementary school and I will always remember the first time I ever had like spanikopita and I was just like, wow, this is pretty gross. But then I actually had it in Greece. I was like, this is not the same thing I had in second grade. It was mind blowing. It was just really creamy and delicious. Delicious and you know, and I'm sure the filo pastry was done so beautifully yeah, and crispy and exactly. And you know, everything to you know that also translates to the desserts as well. I mean, the Greek, the baklava in Greece, you know, I don't find to be very heavy, but here in the states, I find that it just swims in like simple syrup. You know, big time. Yeah, yeah. there's an Ethiopian restaurant. I, I don't know. Is baklava typically Ethiopian? Uh, Who knows? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> there's an Ethiopian restaurant. That's the only dessert there. God, it's like. Yeah, you can just feel the pounds coming yeah. into you. You know, mm -hmm. it's just so, it's soggy. And it's, like you yeah. said, it's swimming in the, the maple syrup. Yeah. Um, all right. So 
a gyro. I just want to knock this out because yeah. you walk around New York and you see all these stands and you mm-hmm. smell it. Some people makes their mouth water. For me, it makes my stomach turn upside right. down because you just look that there's like no running water with how the food is produced. Right. And it just looks gross. Yeah. So I'm sure if people are, you would be foolish to associate Greek food with that. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Greece and you get a gyro, mm-hmm. what's what's that quality gyro? What's the difference there that makes it outstanding? I, you know, I think it's, I mean, it's the expertise. I mean, it's, you know, the it is uh, the ingredients, um, you know, uh, just focusing on the food itself, not necessarily on the phylloxenia or like kind of the legendary Greek hospitality. It really is, you know, the uh, the focus on the ingredients. It's how it's cooked. And Greeks also eat very differently than Americans. Uh, you know, in America, we have very kind of segregated meal times. Like we will have breakfast, you know, from 8 a.m. until 930. We will have, you know, lunch from noon to two. And then we will have dinner from five to seven. You know, there's these kind of these high volume meal times where in Greece, it's much more of a fluid process. And so, you know, you can you'll see these kind of yiradikos or gyro stands uh, where, you know, People will just be eating, lining up all day, and they're eating, and they and there's special you know care and attention turned to the cooking process as well. They'll turn up the flame on the broiler, they'll turn down the flame, you know, they'll shave meat off. They'll you know they, there is a lot of attention paid to it. Whereas I feel in the states they kind of just set it and forget it. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. That seems exactly right. Now a love of mine. You mentioned your first slice of feta cheese when you went yeah. to Greece. Um, in Europe, there is a law that if you're going to get food from a certain region, it, so say, for example, feta, feta has to come from Greece. Um, now, in the States, it's different. You can get feta from Kansas if you want to. Um, it can come from anywhere. Right. So for someone that's going out to buy feta cheese, what are you looking for? To What are you looking for? Because, you know, if you're not going to a cheesemonger so they can't cut you a slice and give you a taste of it, what are you looking for in the package to know if it's good? Uh like anything, I'd say it's the raw ingredients. Um, you know, it's, you know, I guess the, the most domestic American feta you'll find are, is cow's milk because it's typically cheaper and available in much larger quantity. It doesn't really give you that, that same bite or the same creaminess or the same kind of consistency that a sheep or goat's milk feta will. Um, personally, I love like, you know, sheep's milk feta. Um, you know, or maybe a little bit of goat blended in. I mean, there you can see all these ratios on the packaging. Uh, and then also how the cheese is handled after it's, you know, after all the curds have solidified and it's been formed. Uh, you know, is it aged? Is it, uh, do they let it rest in oak barrels, for example? Uh, because everything in the atmosphere is going to give something flavor. You know, the, the soil that, you know, the, the, I mean, I guess the best way to describe it would be like wine or coffee or even oysters, right? There's always these flavors of the soil or flavors of the ocean uh, that the actual ingredient will soak up as it's growing. Right. It's all about the terroir. Yeah. So, you know, the same thing kind of with feta. I mean, you know, it's like, what did the sheep eat? What did the goat eat? Uh, how old was the, the, the goat? How old was the sheep? You know, is it a free range cow on gas? On uh, grass, is it corn-fed? You know what? What really goes into it? I mean, there's so many, so many different layers. But I think one of the best, you know, domestic fetas that I've had. You know, the Whole Foods has a great selection of of, uh, of fetas. Actually, it's not even domestic. It is it is imported from Greece. But it's a it's a barrel-aged feta, and it's fantastic. It's expensive. You have to know that going into it. But if there are a few things in the world you're going to spend money on, it's like wine and and feta for sure. Now. Now that I've got your mouths watering and we're all talking about this beautiful Greek food, before we get into the transitionary period, um, which is very fitting of the show, I'm just going to introduce everybody to the important aspect of Heritage Radio Network because as it is a non-profit organization, 
Um, it's a member-supported non-profit radio station which is devoted to food. And we need your support at the big end of the year fundraiser. A contribution in any amount not only supports Heritage Radio Network's 35 weekly programs, but it also comes with exclusive member benefits like monthly, monthly best-of playlists, discounted event tickets, members-only parties, and more. If you like good food and you like good food radio, then please throw a bit of dough our way. You can go- donate at Heritage Radio Network by going to heritageradionetwork.org forward slash donate. We're going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get back into it with Jonathan and talk about the development of the restaurant and how he came to introduce himself to the food industry. chefs and restaurants are proud of the food they put on the table and serving produce that comes from local environmentally responsible farms is a way to leave an even better taste in everyone's mouth so when shopping for your ingredients look for the new york state grown and certified seal it lets you know which food is grown right right here in new york state certifying the food that comes from local farms that meet a higher standard you'll not only be serving local food you'll be supporting local farmers Learn more about the New York State Grown and Certified Program at certified.ny.gov. Welcome back to Why Food. I'm here with Jonathan Mendez from Saloniki Greek. Now, in case you missed it, you better go back and check because we spoke about all the wonderful things within Greek food and a little bit of wisdom for you. But let's get down to the nitty gritty and the history, John. Um, so did you start off growing up in a, a culture or a heritage surrounded by food? Was there a, a major importance placed in it as you grew up? Uh, great question. No, um, you know my um, uh, I'm, I'm half Spanish and half German. Um, you know, at least one half of, of that heritage, the Spanish side, does put a ton of emphasis on the food and you know grandmother cooking. Uh, you know, it's very very much in that kind of wheelhouse of those kind of old world uh, cultures that really put it put an emphasis on this. But I, you know, I was raised by a single mother. Um, you know, meals. Uh, were, you know, kind of just really quick, you know, uh, they were, I guess, much more utilitarian than actual a lot of thought, you know, kind of put into it. Uh, because, you know, she's doing the best, best she could and God bless her and, you know, love her. Uh, uh, but there wasn't a ton of emphasis put on food. So, so my my development or evolution of my palate and my in the food and the food industry and ultimately what became my passion in my life, uh, you know, I guess was much later. And what, what introduced you to it then? Because, you know, Everyone has that trigger moment. Um, everyone has that time where... Because we all live with food. And that's the that's the really interesting thing that I've seen with this show. You know, it's different to say something like a wine guy. Uh, because you're starting from a base level and you're working your way up from there. Whereas with food, you grow up with a palate and you grow up with a surrounding. And every year or every uh, circumstance, you're introduced to something different that broadens your horizons. But then there's something that triggers that switch and makes you think, actually, this 
isn't just an interest. This isn't just a hobby. This is a pursuit. This is something that I want to work with. So when did the penny drop for you there that you realized... Yeah, I, I you know, I worked, um, you know, I waited tables in college, so I just kind of had the, uh, just this really kind of, I guess, shallow introduction to, you know, the food world, um, you know, it was just kind of a means to an end, you know, just have a couple extra bucks, you know, uh, pay my way through, through grad school. Um, it really kind of came about, I guess, for me in 2000, I want to say 2008, um, actually when I started working for Eric and I, what I realized is at that point I'd had jobs, uh, I'd done a little political consulting, I'd done some public policy work. Um, until that time I, you know, was considering, um, uh, a run at law school. I took my LSATs, you know, it was really something that was made to seem, or to me, it had always been driven in my head that, uh, you know, you, you should have a, a good solid career, you know, so that's, you know, do you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, you know, these kind of professional degrees. Uh, what I realized after having a lot of friends in law school, uh, and they were all giving me this exact same feedback. They said, if we could go back and do it over, we would not do it. You know, don't do it. You know, so I decided, you know, to, to skip that. Was it kind of the moment where you were looking at your life and thinking, am I looking to the future? Am I looking to the present? Yeah, exactly. It was kind of, you know, I mean, it was just sitting there and thinking, do I really want to sit there for 120 hours of my life every single week for the next, you know, 40 years and not enjoy it? I mean, that's really the question, you know, I mean, obviously we all have bills to pay and we all have, you know, to provide a living for ourselves and hopefully our families. Uh, but, you know, you should be happy with what you do. And what I found was that, you know, I went, I went to work for Eric and I was, you know, uh, doing doing some social media for him. It was really kind of a jack of all trades. But, you know, one of the things that fell in my lap was to run this little quick serve uh, chicken and waffle place. And I mean, it, you know, it's, you know, kind of the, you know, lowbrow food, but it was the most fulfilled I'd felt professionally, you know, ever, you know, just connecting with people, making people feel really happy, uh, making sure that they felt cared for and loved, you know, and whatever, however long they were, you know, in the restaurant, I absolutely loved it. And there was an element, there was a word, I can't remember what you said, but it was, it was referencing Greek hospitality. Uh, Yeah, philoxenia. And what does that mean? Uh, I think literally translated means like friend from a stranger. Okay, and what's the what's the implementation then of the the Greek hospitality? Well, I mean, you know, the Greeks are legendary for their hospitality. I mean, you look at, you know, you go all the way back to Odysseus and the Iliad and the Odyssey, and Homer wrote about, you know, the this kind of concept that if somebody was a guest of yours, you could, you know, there was there was a moral code that you were obligated to take care of them, to provide for them, to welcome them into your home, you know, uh, and and care for them. And so it's something that really struck me on my trips to to Greece with Eric and his family, just this this overwhelming welcoming. Uh, you know, you they they didn't know me, they'd never seen me before. Before, but I'm one of the family, you know, and they all just, you know, oh, Yanni, and they give you, you know, the big hug and this, you know, these exuberant Greeks. And it's amazing. It is, there's, there are a few cultures that I've seen in this world, uh, and I've been fortunate enough to, to make my way through most of it that are just a, as absolutely exuberant about life as Greeks. They love it, and they're fantastic. So for me, that really struck a chord. And I said, you know what? These guys figured something out. You know, it's not about, you know, how can I kind of maximize things for myself? And, you know, here's this stranger, and I'm going to, you know, I want to, you know, hold hold uh, all my food to myself. And I don't, you know, I, wanna, I want this guy to go away. It really is that joy that comes from sharing a meal, something so simple as food. And when you had done the social media, um, you moved on to open up 
one of the restaurants within the group, right? Yeah. So, so uh, in 2000, so I did that for a couple of years. And then in 2011, 2012, uh, Eric ended up partnering with Jody Adams, who's a James Beard award-winning chef uh, and who would, be, who would later become my partner or our partner at Saloniki. Uh, and so he brought me along to kind of be uh, the restaurant manager at Trade, which is in, in Boston. So that was definitely my first, you know, that was really my first in-depth, uh, full-serve restaurant management ex- experience, really being on the other side of the table. And just before we get into uh, Saloniki within itself, can you just give the listeners a bit of a background on the group as a whole, uh, the restaurants that fall under the label? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so Saloniki is um, uh, recently started in, in March, and it's uh, Jody, uh, John, and myself. And uh, prior to that, Jody and I, uh, with another partner, we opened uh, Trade, and actually this year we opened up another full serve called Porto. Uh, but our partnership, really in our relationship, uh, actually with my other partner at Trade and Porto, started about 22 years ago when we were bartenders in undergrad. And um, we stayed in the industry, you know, in one way or another. And, uh, you know, John just kind of came into our lives as a, uh, as a friend first, and then uh, as an employee, then as a manager, and then just excelled at every... Uh, every position that he was going in at. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, he approached us with his own concept, which is Saloniki, which he's not the Greek one, but he's the one that pitched the project, which I think is a very interesting so- story in and of itself. Um, and uh, so Jody and I, uh, so he presented the project to Jody and I, and uh, we loved it, and uh, we kicked it off this year. Yeah, it's funny because when I when I looked, now I haven't had the privilege of, of going to the restaurant. I'm I'm definitely very looking forward to going there once I get up to Boston. But one thing that struck me was, you know, the menu was definitely in itself very Greek. The terms were much more approachable for people. And so was the layout of the restaurant. And I suppose that was the benefit of, of having someone not you know of greek heritage so you could mish and mash the two it was the yin and the yang i suppose coming together of both whereas a lot of people when they open up a restaurant from their heritage or from their childhood they get lost in nostalgia and they they start introducing stuff that you know relates to them but is totally lost on the on the on the guest yeah absolutely i mean we really uh you know ultimately nobody wants to feel you know, intimidated when they go out, right? I mean, even something is just pronouncing a word that's unfamiliar, you know, can kind of create, you know, create anxiety or kind of get you to do those mental acrobats uh, or acrobatics. But we really wanted food that was just, that really spoke, you know, of those kind of Greek uh, influences, you know, focus on the best quality ingredients, you know, have a purpose uh, and really just just execute, you know, as best we absolutely could. Uh, and so for us, we're really flavor driven, really big on the flavors. Uh, and we, you know, we, we look to, you know, Greece, you know, for inspiration in everything we do. You know, one of the things we do is we say, you know, would you find this, you know, kind of in Greece in some way, shape or form? You know, we never claim to be the most authentic because that's not, you know, what we wanted to do. But we want it to be, you know, extremely accessible and we want it to be familiar. Right. And. Um- future plans are there are there i I saw that you're going to be expanding to another location yeah we have uh number two in the works and um we'll be opening that you know coming soon uh in the central square in cambridge so we're we're kind of taking over the other side of the river uh you know that's the plan for now so the first location is in fenway in fenway yeah yeah which is in boston proper and then you know i guess it's actually not that far i mean 15 minutes away over the over the bridge right by mit 
Okay, amazing, amazing. Um, another thing that I wanted to ask you about was Future Chefs, which is an organization that you're involved with outside <laughs> of the restaurant. Can you just tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, actually, both Eric and I are involved with them, um, and other restaurants uh, that Eric's involved in have hosted Future Chefs. But it's really a wonderful kind of organization that allows, um, you know, specifically targeted at inner city uh, youth or, or youth that don't have a ton of opportunity or exposure to kind of the broader world and broader, you know, career opportunities. And it gives them training. Uh, and what it does is say, you know, if, if you're a young person and you, you know, haven't, you know, had, you know, the best opportunities at education or the best, you know, avenues to network, you know, what is a viable career for you? And, you know, one of the, one of the great things about restaurants is they're, I mean, to me, I think they're the most democratic place in the world. I mean, no matter who you are, what shape, where form you walk in and you get treated with you know love and hospitality and you get served food and and you know there's that respect element there for just you being a human being uh which is wonderful uh and i think the way it should be uh and so future chefs really gives you know will we'll take you know these young kids give them culinary training place them uh and do a lot of hand holding you know with us as the restaurant but also the kid uh you know we we complete weekly assessments on their progress um, you know, we kind of have these sit downs and touch bases to make sure that, you know, they're growing not only in their culinary skill sets, but also in, you know, their management skill sets, their life skill sets. You know, something as simple as showing up on time in a clean uniform is something that, you know, is unbelievably taken for granted. I mean, just the skill set to 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 have that purpose to show up ready to go with, you know, your absolute A game and put the best foot, you know, forward. Uh, and some of these kids are incredibly inspiring. And I've been lucky enough to have, uh, you know, be involved in this organization to host future chefs, to hire future chefs after they've done their term with me. Uh, you know, we're looking, we're, we're actually looking to bring one on for the Cambridge location. Um, and Eric actually sits on their board. Yeah, it's a great organization. It's great to see that that restaurateurs and owners take their hand at trying to help out with the community because it's such an it's so easily done within the restaurant world it's 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 far more important than a corporate company writing a check and handing it out to someone you know it makes such a big difference and on that note um i wanted to ask as i do to every guest what has uh, being in the food industry since you've moved into it given you fantastic question um you know i think it's given me uh, just appreciation uh, on so many different levels. Really, I mean, appreciation for hard work. Uh, you know, working in a restaurant is extremely hard. Uh, it's high, it's like a pressure cooker. I mean, it's a high pressure environment. A lot of times, it's really wet. It's really dirty. There's you know fire around you. There's knives around you. You know, it's not kind of the safe padded walls environment. You know. It, it is, you know, the nittiest, the grittiest, uh, you know, of places and people from all walks of life, uh, you know, show up and they punch in and you're working alongside people and you meet, you know, a thousand people a day. Uh, so it's really given me an appreciation for, you know, hard work. Uh, for different cultures as well, because one thing you're exposed to is a ton of cultures and the people that you work with, but also the people that come in. Uh, and, you know, the ability to communicate people and just, just developing your own emotional intelligence to be able to read situations, to understand when, you know, if there's a business meeting going on, what they're going to want is not a lot of interruptions. They're going to want you to just nail their order and to be efficient versus, you know, people that generally come into restaurants to connect and to, you know, to, because this may be the highlight of their day. I mean, for whatever reason. Uh, and 
you know, and, and being able to read that and engage with them. Uh, so, I mean, food itself has taught me a lot of, you know, uh, I guess, you know, t- tons and tons of life skills. But I would say if it came down to it, it would really be appreciation for people uh, and appreciation for time. Great answer. Thanks, John. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Sarah from Bolts for introducing the two guys for me. Thanks very much for getting that done. I'm delighted to have had you on the show today and to share your story. Thank you, Patrick. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And for anyone who... Um, I really don't know if you'll be interested in this, but for anyone who wants to see a day in my life, I'll be taking over the Heritage Radio Network Instagram page next Tuesday. Um, And for anyone that wants to see anything about the other fellow hosts on the Heritage Radio Network, please do follow Heritage Radio on Instagram. And each day a show host will take over the page and you'll be able to see a a day in their lives. I also want to extend my thanks to David Tadashur, today's producer for the show. Um, And I want to thank the Heritage Radio Network community for giving 35 amazing shows a platform to engage with the food community and give people access to so much information. If you want to get in touch with me, please do on whyfood at heritageradionetwork.org. Next week, I will be meeting with Homa Dashtaki, who is the founder of the delicious White Mustache Yogurt Company. She made a wonderful transition also from law into food. So I'm very looking forward to meeting her. And that's going to be the final show of this season. Thanks very much, guys. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.